This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Saver, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about food banks and pantries and soup kitchens. Yes, because that is something that I'm sure a lot of us have been thinking about as we're all quarantining, as Lauren and I are coming to you from our home closet studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's been on my mind a lot lately um, in, in this our time of coronavirus um, because a, a number of restaurants around Atlanta, you know, have closed down to the public, um, perhaps obviously, but opened their kitchens to take out and not just public takeout, but like specifically for service industry workers who've been laid off during all of these shutdowns um, and and for free or for whatever people can afford to pay. Um, and popular places, like a, like if you're familiar with the Atlanta restaurant scene at all, places like Staple House and Brickstore Pub um, that could just as easily be trying to, you know, make money from takeout and delivery, but they're not. Uh, also, uh, this, this organization um, started up called the Atlanta Artist Relief Fund, and they're raising money and like working with local chefs to create and distribute both frozen and ready-to-eat meals to, to workers in the arts who have also lost their streams of revenue. And also, uh, organizations like the Atlanta Community Food Bank are like figuring out how to serve larger segments of the population and do so safely with more minimal person-to-person contact. Um, and, you know, it, this isn't just in Atlanta, of course. You know, these these efforts are happening all over the country, all over the world. Um, 
And so, yeah, we wanted to talk about uh, a little bit about the history of these kind of efforts. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really wonderful in these trying times to see people trying to figure out the best way to help other people. Yes, yes. That is one of those beautiful silver lining, uh, you know, Fred Rogers, uh, look for the helpers kind of kind of things. And uh, I, I, I will say we have talked a little bit about this sort of thing before um, in uh, about food access and food security, that is. Um, in episode six of our New Orleans miniseries, um, we, we featured heavily in that uh, this wonderful interview with the excellent Pepper Bowen, um, who's, who's a food and water attorney working in the New Orleans area. So for a little bit more on kind of the legal side of things and food insecurity side of things. Yeah, check out check out our full interview with her and that that episode from the miniseries. Yes, she is a delight. <laughs> oh my gosh, such a delight. Oh. Mm, but all right, let's get to our question. Mm-hmm. Food banks, food pantries, soup kitchens. What are they? Well, uh, food banks and pantries are organizations that that purchase or collect donations of food from the the world's food supply chain and distribute it to people who are experiencing food insecurity. Uh, meaning that uh, that those people do do not at all times have the money and or ability to obtain and or knowledge to to create enough nutritious food in order to engage in like active and healthy lifestyles. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's food banks and pantries. Uh, soup kitchens, it's it's a somewhat antiquated term at this point, but um, but it generally means like a kitchen that prepares and distributes cooked foods to people who are experiencing food insecurity. Um, is soup, you know, being a, a dish that can be easily stretched to feed many people with relatively few ingredients and like relatively low energy use uh, has traditionally been a staple of these things. Right. So hence the, hence the term. Mm-hmm. And, you know, food insecurity is a global problem, even during generally good economic times. Um, Around the world, as of 2017, a little, just a little bit under 11% of human people experienced food insecurity. That's about one in nine people on the planet, like 820 million of us. And in the United States, as of 2018, that percentage was actually a little bit higher, um, 37.2 37.2 million Americans lived in food insecure households that year. Um, that's about 11.4% of us. And there are all kinds of reasons why this happens. I mean, poverty, obviously, but also uh, living in places where nutritious food is not sold and not having the time or money to devote to traveling uh, to obtain nutritious food. And yeah, just like not having received the, the, the education from family or from community about how to turn available nutritious ingredients into like palatable, healthy meals. Right. And there are a lot of reasons why these things happen, um, but, but a, a huge part of it has traditionally been food waste throughout the supply chain, um, especially in developed and generally wealthy countries like the United States. Uh, according to Feeding America, which is this network of food banks, some 72 billion pounds of food goes to waste here every year. That's some 25 to 40 percent of the food that is grown and processed and transported. 
So a lot of the work that these banks and networks of banks do has just been reaching out to farmers and producers and grocers and restaurants and helping them donate product that otherwise would have gone to waste. Right. And uh, we have discussed previously in other episodes the legal issues around some of that and how we are, at least here in the United States, working to change some of those things that have prevented donating some food in some cases. Feeding America has 200 food banks across the United States that provide sustenance to over 40 million people. And uh, just a stat I found that's interesting, and it will probably make more sense when we get into the history. 53% of the 3,000 facilities serving the homeless in the United States are affiliated with churches. Yeah, yeah. A a lot of these, uh, especially historically, a lot of these uh, grassroots organizations have come up through religious affiliation. And, uh, And that does bring us to some of the history of how these types of organizations got started. But first... It brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! Zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, the history of soup kitchens in America is also a history of America's economic crashes, downturns, and depressions, and conversations around xenophobia, capitalism, and who deserves help. 
The first American soup kitchens were a byproduct of the Panic of 1873, which was a devastating six-year economic depression. The idea for soup kitchens may have come from Irish immigrants who remembered kitchens, many Quaker-run, providing hot soups during the Great Potato Famine of 1845. And in 1847, the U.K. passed the Temporary Relief Act, also known as the Soup Kitchen Act. It decreed that local relief groups could collect taxes from Irish landowners and business people to pay for food. One man sometimes gets credit for opening the first soup kitchen, Benjamin Thompson, a.k.a. Benjamin Count Von Rumford. (laughs) I love that. I do, too. I do, too. So this dude was born in the United States in 1753, but was forced to flee Britain after accusations arose that he was a British loyalist. And he went on to do all kinds of things. And the government of Bavaria even granted him a Count of the Holy Roman Empire title. And he went with the name of the town he was from, Rumford, which is great. (laughs) Benjamin Count von Rumford. I feel like we need to come up with... Or a count. Well, well, I need to come up with some count names for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we go by by that formula, I guess I'm like Countess Von Cleveland. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Countess Von Cleveland, honored to be in your presence. <laughs> So, of relevance here, of all the things this guy did, his project to end Munich's beggar problem by providing work and food for the poor. And this was at a time in Europe where food prices were high and poverty was rampant due to things like bad harvest, high levels of unemployment, slow trade, and wars. He set up workhouses and for lunch provided, in his words, quote, very rich soup of peas and barley mixed with cuttings of fine white bread and a piece of excellent rye bread weighing seven ounces, which last they commonly put in their pockets and carried home for their supper. Yeah, uh, he he was he was working throughout a, a few decades, right right around the turn of the century there, and and published this book of essays about why and how to help feed the poor in 1796. His style of soup kitchen spread throughout Europe and later to the United States. Yeah, his uh, his soup recipe and, and iterations thereof became known as Rumford Soup. And especially in the early 1800s, the, the, the recipe and kitchens distributing it popped up all over. Um, his work really coincided with all of the social and political and uh, food supply upheaval uh, of the American and French revolutions and a number of other wars around Europe. Um, like in 1812, Napoleon Bonaparte ordered two million servings of Rumford-style soup be distributed to the masses every day. In Massachusetts in 1803, the Salem Register reported, quote, the economic soups are well known and the name of Count Rumford is immortal. <laughs> He's starting to sound more and more like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's like, he's like hanging out in Bavaria. Uh, yes. He's a count now. Mm-hmm. And immortal, apparently. And immortal. I, so, you know. Hey. We... We are on to this guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
He was also an early adopter of the potato when most Europeans still viewed potatoes with suspicion. And he invented things like a drip coffee maker, a pressure cooker, and the first kitchen range for commercial use, the cast iron Rumford stove. There's even a brand of baking powder named after him. Yes, that Rumford. Um, All was not great with these workhouses, though, we should say. He was pretty judgmental of those who didn't have jobs, and child labor was a fairly common thing at them, although some offered schooling. Uh, Yeah, you know, in the evenings after the kids had finished working, they could stay behind for some lessons, too. So that's fine. (laughs) Your tone suggests otherwise. I want my tone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, your tone. Oh, gosh. Researching this guy made me miss my Dungeons & Dragons character, Giggs von Tank. I I continually miss your Dungeons and Dragons character, Giggs von Tank, <laughs> although she made my life and that of our fellow characters significantly less easy at many times. Um, I'm not gonna say more difficult, more interesting for sure, but <laughs> less less easy. <laughs> she was a delight, but not. <laughs> She definitely kept everyone on their toes. That is accurate. One day, maybe she will return. I I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. (laughs) I just want to clarify, I only am reminded of her because of the name, not because she was a terrible (laughs) child labor proponent. (laughs) (laughs) Just the name, that's all. (laughs) Good point. Good point. Yes. Uh, Important... Important tip. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You're welcome. Now you know more about my very important Dungeons & Dragons character. Oh, gosh. Um, And and, and one one note before we leave Von Rumford behind. (laughs) This um, apparently Rumford uh, soup is still served at some uh, Oktoberfest celebrations over in Germany. Oh, really? Yeah. If any listeners have any pictures or experiences to share... Oh, please. Always. Yeah. Yes. But okay, back to the history. Yeah. In 1891, a man named Joseph McPhee wanted to raise money to feed Christmas dinner to the poor. And to raise funds, he put out a soup bucket on Market Street captioned, Keep the Pot Boiling. And he raised enough from this to provide 1,000 people meals. To this day, the Salvation Army uses the red bucket reminiscent of a soup bucket to raise money. And they cite this story as the reason why. I had always wondered about that. I had too. It was one of those things I kind of always, you know, went, huh, and then immediately forgot. Yeah. (laughs) But now we know. The number of soup kitchens soared during the Great Depression, um, beginning in 1929. And in the beginning, most of these soup kitchens were extensions of private charities and churches. But as the situation worsened, um, for instance, by 1932, about 25% of Americans' labor force was unemployed. That's 12 million people. Uh, The federal and state governments stepped in, running some of their own in cities and towns all across the country. As a part of that, President Hoover authorized $4 million for state government so that they could get more soup kitchens up and operating. These places did primarily serve bread and soup, since soup was, like you said, Lauren, it was cheap and water could be added to stretch out supply to meet demand if necessary. A bulk of the soups consisted of boiled vegetables, and more well-off people were encouraged to grow charity gardens and donate the produce to their local soup kitchens. 
But some did serve other items like oatmeal, muffins, peanut butter sandwiches, or even pies and cobblers. Some of these kitchens did not have a space for eating, so people would line up with their own buckets for food. Many only opened once a day for one meal, but some provided three meals a day. Some only opened during the winter. Some charged a small fee. Others didn't. Most of the volunteers were women. Okay, once again, we need to talk about Al Capone. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. The, The last time we got to talk about Al Capone... Was it all the way back in our food expiry dates episode? I can't remember if he's come up again. I think he might have come up in our types of milk episode. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, he definitely would have. Uh, Or I mean, that makes sense because that is the type of expiration date that he was most uh, personally involved with. But yeah, Al Capone. Al Capone, y'all. In the soup kitchen section. Okay, so, yes, we are talking about the gangster, public enemy number one. Uh, So, Capone knew he had a bit of an image problem. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little one. Just a a tiny bit. A little tiny bit. Right. So, to combat it, he opened what some believe to be one of America's first soup kitchens in Chicago in 1929. Anyone who was unemployed could get three meals a day at Capone's Soup Kitchen, and it fed about 2,200 people a day at the cost of about $300, which for him, I think I read somewhere he was making like $25,000 a day at one point. What? And like in 1929 money? Yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) So for him, this wasn't that big a deal. Oh my Um, gosh. But... Also, he probably shook down businesses for it, so Hmm. there's that. Uh, For breakfast, they served sweet rolls and coffee, soup and bread for lunch, and bread and coffee for dinner. For Thanksgiving in 1930, 5,000 people were served. Mary Borden wrote for Harper's Magazine that Capone was, quote, an ambidextrous giant who kills with one hand and feeds with the other. (laughs) And she made sure to point out that the line to gain entry into his soup kitchen frequently extended well past the police station where they were trying to get this guy. (laughs) Um, It operated Uh. into the 1950s, and it... It was successful in the in terms of uh, helping his image. It really did. He was kind of cultivating this Robin Hood-esque type thing. And a lot of people that were interviewed at the soup kitchen were like, yeah, love this guy. Yeah, good so. guy. Yeah, giving us food. Keep keeping our babies safe mm. with uh, safer milk. Yeah, love him. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's the Al Capone side. <laughs> uh- um, a little bit later, uh, during and, and, and less having to do with gangsters, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> during World War II in the United Kingdom, um, the Women's Volunteer Service for Civil Defense began preparing and delivering meals to neighbors and to, uh, to, to service people. And this was around the time that, you know, the, the, the Blitz was happening. And so a lot of people were either out of their homes or, you know, unable to to use their kitchens or, you know, in, in, in a number that there were a number of social disarray kind of things going on. Uh, yeah. And so they began doing this in 1939. And this became known as Meals on Wheels. Similar programs would open around the world after the war. Um, and in, in many places, they were developed specifically as programs to to help feed senior citizens and other people unable to get out of the home for whatever reason. Right. 
In the late 1960s, a man named John Van Hingle out of Phoenix, Arizona, came up with the idea for food banking. The story goes that after retiring from the business world, Van Hingle devoted a lot of his time to volunteering at a local soup kitchen. He met a woman who regularly dug through grocery store garbage bins looking for discarded food to feed her children. She told Van Hingle she thought there needed to be something like a bank where food that was going to be discarded could instead be stored for future use. Van Hingle took that idea and ran with it. Soon after, in 1967, he opened St. Mary's Food Bank in Phoenix, and this was America's first food bank. They distributed 275,000 pounds of food in their first year of operation. And not only that, but others took note, and by 1977, 18 cities had their own food banks. In response, Van Hengel established a national network for food banks, and this led to the creation of Second Harvest in 1979, which was renamed Feeding America in 2008. Related, the Food Stamp Act passed in 1977 and the Temporary Emergency Food Assistance Act passed in 1983, allowing for any surplus produce to be distributed to those in need. Um, Also in 1983, Van Hengel established Food Banking Incorporated, which is now the Global Food Banking Network, which is an international nonprofit that, that helps create and support food banks around the world. The 2008 recession saw another spike in demand for these services, a spike that we are again seeing now. Yeah, uh, you know, current events are particularly disruptive to the food supply and how people access it. Uh, Related programs like the National School Lunch Program, which normally feeds up to 30 million kids every school day, aren't operating. Um, Food banks and soup kitchens depend on huge networks of volunteers, but with safe-at-home policies in place and, and, you know, just like informed precautions being taken, way fewer volunteers, and, and in some cases, zero volunteers, are able to help out at these places. It's also making it harder for people in need to go out in order to obtain supplies. Um, You know, meanwhile, fundraising efforts like normal fundraisers like uh, Atlanta's Hunger Walk and Run are having to cancel. That event in 2019 generated $800,000 in revenue. And this year, it's just gone because it was supposed to happen in the middle of March. Yeah. And, you know, I, I... I hate to end on a downer, and it's, I mean, it is very concerning. And and I was saying to Annie before we started rolling, like, oh, man, like, can we do, can we do an episode that has nothing to do with current events next? Because, holy heck, I don't think I can take it. Um, But, you know, it's, again, like, like silver linings, look for the helpers. Like, there are so many amazing humans and organizations of humans that are doing really great stuff out there right now. Um, So, you know, after you finish this episode, give a quick Google, um, see what organizations are operating in your area and how you either might be able to help or how you might be able to receive help from them. Um, You know, these folks are working so hard to provide solutions, um, like like making takeaway and delivery boxes of supplies um, in order to, to help minimize interpersonal contact at food banks. Uh, some celebrities are giving these big, awesome donations. Uh, restaurants are opening up for those free meals. Uh, our former corporate overlords, System One, they set up a GoFundMe to match donations to the Atlanta Community Food Bank. Stuff like that is happening all over the place. And, you know, it's it's... 
up to all of us to seek those resources out and help them or, or, or get help. And there is, is nothing wrong with, with, with needing help right now. No, no, definitely not. And we would love if uh, listeners, if you have an awesome resource you think we should shout out, uh, send it our way. We would love to. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Please do. We would love to give shout outs um, on, on social media or, uh, or on the podcast. However, however we can help. Yes. Yes. We are here for you. <laughs> oh, oh, we are. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Spe- speaking of getting in touch with us, we do have some listener mail for you. Uh, but first, that about wraps up what we've got to say about food banks. So, so first, we've got uh, one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... Listener mail. <laughs> like a hug. Oh, mm-hmm. like a hug. Oh, this first one is so good. It is from Secret Mermaid. And <laughs> she wrote, I'm a burlesque dancer, and one of my more regular acts is a classic tease, but as an asparagus. <laughs> I thought you might enjoy some photos of what a sparkly burlesque asparagus looks like. Yes. I call- <laughs> we did. Yes. We really did. I call the act Asparagus. I would love if you did an episode on asparagus one day. If the burlesque tribute didn't give it away, it's a favorite vegetable of mine. I mean... Oh my gosh. I mean, first of all, it is like, it is currently asparagus season. Yes. 
any food-related burlesque, we always want to hear about and see yes. photos or video from if you would like to send it our way. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, Annie, but I, I have a lot of friends in the burlesque community, and I am a huge fan of uh, the art form and the talent and the costuming. And yes. I will say, Secret Mermaid, your asparagus crown is a gorgeous and queenly crown, and I adore it. I do, too. Everything about it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, so much. So, so yes, and, and yes. And Amber wrote, furloughed bartender here. I couldn't help but laugh at the old-timey article about how the ladies only eat milkshakes with spoons so as to avoid the dreaded mustache. A strange phenomenon these days is gendered use of straws. A lot of ladies ask for them to avoid smudging their lipstick. As someone who is bad at makeup, I 100% support them. I don't want to be smudgy either. What's always funny to me, though, is that some men will not drink from straws because of that association. On more occasions than I can count, men have ordered drinks in, quote, less girly glasses. Makes you wonder how these guys drink their milkshakes. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) That That is something I hadn't thought about. I Maybe I just don't, I don't think I've seen this behavior before, but I can totally picture some dudes associating, yeah, straw drinking with, like, femininity or with sexuality. We actually, a long time ago, back when I did video for um, Stuff I Never Told You, the other show that I work on, um, we did an episode on uh, the gendering of straws. So it's a thing. (laughs) All right. Cool. By well. cool, I mean uncool. <laughs> that's that's just fine. I mean, you do you. I mean, like, do, you know, like, live your gender however you want to, I suppose. Uh, but I don't feel like straws should be part of that, necessarily. I think, I think that's... unnecessary, yes. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So thanks to both of them so much for writing in. If you would yes. like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. And we are on social media. You can get in touch with us uh, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook uh, at saverpod. We, we are that screen name, all three places. And we do hope to hear from you. Uh, Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.